Because of Winn-Dixie. Chapter 10. I told Gloria to dump everything. I told her how me and the preacher had just moved to Naomi and how I had to leave all my friends behind. I told her about my mama leaving, and I listed out the ten things that I knew about her. And I explained that here in Naomi, I missed mama more than I ever had in Watley. I told her about the preacher being like a turtle, hiding all the time inside his shell. I told her about finding Winn-Dixie in the produce department, and how, because of him, I became friends with Miss Franny Block and got a job working for a man named Otis at Gertrude's Pets and got invited to Sweetie Pie Thomas's birthday party. I even told Gloria Dump how Dunlap and Stevie Dewberry called her a witch, but I told her they were stupid, mean, bald-headed boys, and I didn't believe them, not for long anyway. And the whole time I was talking, Gloria Dump was listening. She was nodding her head and smiling and frowning and saying, hmm, is that right? I could feel her listening with all her heart, and it felt good. You know what, she said when I was all done? What? Could be that you got more of your mama in you than just red hair and freckles and running fast. Really? I said, like what? Like maybe you got her green thumb. The two of us could plant something and see how it grows. Test your thumb out. Okay, I said. What Gloria Dump picked for me to grow was a tree. Or she said it was a tree. To me, it looked more like a plant. She had me dig a hole for it and put it in the ground and pat the dirt around it tight, like it was a baby and I was tucking it into bed. What kind of tree is it, I asked Gloria Dump. It's a wait and see tree, she said. What's that mean? It means you got to wait for it to grow up before you know what it is. Can I come back and see it tomorrow, I asked. Child, she said, as long as this is my garden, you're welcome in it. But that tree ain't going to have changed much by tomorrow. But I want to see you too, I said. Hmm, said Glory Dump. I ain't going nowhere. I be right here. I woke Winn-Dixie up then. He had peanut butter in his whiskers and he kept yawning and stretching. He licked Gloria Dump's hand before we left and I thanked her. That night when the preacher was tucking me into bed, I told him how I got a job at Gertrude's Pets and I told him all about making friends with Miss Franny Block and getting invited to Sweetie Pie's party and I told him about meeting Gloria Dump. When Dixie lay on the floor waiting for the preacher to leave so he could hop up on the bed like he always did. When I was done talking, the preacher kissed me goodnight. And then he leaned way over and gave Winn-Dixie a kiss, too, right on the top of his head. You can go ahead and get up there now, he said to Winn-Dixie. Winn-Dixie looked at the preacher. He didn't smile at him, but he opened his mouth wide like he was laughing, like the preacher had just told him the funniest joke in the world. And this is what amazed me the most. The preacher laughed back. Winn-Dixie hopped up on the bed, and the preacher got up and turned out the light. I leaned over and kissed Winn-Dixie, too, right on the nose. But he didn't notice. He was already asleep and snoring. Chapter 11 That night there was a real bad thunderstorm. But what woke me up wasn't the thunder and lightning. It was Winn-Dixie whining and butting his head against my bedroom door. Winn-Dixie, I said, what are you doing? He didn't pay any attention to me. He just kept beating his head against the door and whining and whimpering. And when I got out of bed and went over and put my hand on his head, he was shaking and trembling so hard that it scared me. I knelt down and wrapped my arms around him, but he didn't turn and look at me or smile or sneeze or wag his tail or do any of the normal kind of Winn-Dixie things. He just kept beating his head against the door and crying and shaking. 
You want the door open, I said. Huh? Is that what you want? I stood up and opened the door, and Winn-Dixie flew through it like something big and ugly and mean was chasing him. Winn-Dixie, I hissed, come back here. I didn't want him going and waking the preacher up, but it was too late. Winn-Dixie was already at the other end of the trailer in the preacher's room. I could tell because there was a spring sound that must have come from Winn-Dixie jumping up on the bed. And then there was a sound from the preacher, like he was real surprised. But none of it lasted long because Winn-Dixie came tearing back out of the preacher's room, panting and running like crazy. I tried to grab him, but he was going too fast. Opal, said the preacher. He was standing at the door to his bedroom, and his hair was all kind of wild on top of his head, and he was looking around like he wasn't sure where he was. Opal, what's going on? I don't know, I told him, but just then there was a huge crack of thunder, one so loud that it shook the whole trailer. And when Dixie came shooting back out of my room and went running right past me, and I screamed, Daddy, watch out! But the preacher was still confused. He just stood there, and when Dixie came barreling right toward him like he was a bowling ball, and the preacher was the only pin left standing, and wham, they both fell to the ground. Uh-oh, I said. Opal, said the preacher. He was lying on his stomach, and Winn-Dixie was sitting on top of him, panting and whining. Yes, sir, I said. Opal, the preacher said again. Yes, sir, I said louder. Do you know what a pathological fear is? No, sir, I told him. The preacher raised a hand. He rubbed his nose. Well, he said after a minute, it's a fear that goes way beyond normal fears. It's a fear you can't be talked out of or reasoned out of. Just then, there was another crack of thunder, and Winn-Dixie rose straight up in the air like somebody had poked him with something hot. When he hit the floor, he started running. He ran back to my bedroom, and I didn't even try to catch him. I just got out of his way. The preacher lay there on the ground, rubbing his nose. Finally, he sat up. He said, Opal, I believe Winn-Dixie has a pathological fear of thunderstorms. And just when he finished his sentence, here came Winn-Dixie again, running to save his life. I got the preacher up off the floor and out of the way just in time. There didn't seem to be a thing we could do for Winn-Dixie to make him feel better. So we just sat there and watched him run back and forth, all terrorized and panting. And every time there was another crack of thunder, Winn-Dixie acted all over again like it was surely the end of the world. The storm won't last long, the preacher told me, and when it's over, the real Winn-Dixie will come back. After a while, the storm did end. The rain stopped, and there wasn't any more lightning. And finally, the last rumble of thunder went away, and when Dixie quit running back and forth and came over to where me and the preacher were sitting and cocked his head like he was saying, what in the world are you two doing out of bed in the middle of the night? And then he crept up on the couch with us in this funny way he has, where he gets on the couch an inch at a time, kind of sliding himself onto it, looking off in a different direction, like it's all happening by accident. Like he doesn't intend to get on the couch at all, but all of a sudden, there he is. And so the three of us sat there. I rubbed Winn-Dixie's head and scratched him behind the ears the way he liked. And the preacher said, there are an awful lot of thunderstorms in Florida in the summertime. Yes, sir, I said. I was afraid that maybe he would say we couldn't keep a dog who went crazy with pathological fear every time there was a crack of thunder. We'll have to keep an eye on him, the preacher said. He put his arm around Winn-Dixie. He'll have to make sh- we'll have to make sure he doesn't get out during a storm. He might run away. We might have to make sure we keep him safe. Yes, sir, I said again. All of a sudden, it was hard for me to talk. I love the preacher so much. 
I loved him because he loved Winn-Dixie. I loved him because he was going to forgive Winn-Dixie for being afraid. But most of all, I loved him for putting his arm around Winn-Dixie like that, like he was already trying to keep him safe. Chapter 12 Me and Winn-Dixie got to Gertrude's pets so early for my first day of work that the clothes sign was still in the window. But when I pushed on the door, it swung open, and so we went on inside. I was about to call out to Otis that we were there, but then I heard music. It was the prettiest music I'd ever heard in my life. I looked around to see where it was coming from, and that's when I noticed that all the animals were out of their cages. There were rabbits and hamsters and gerbils and mice and birds and lizards and snakes, and they were all sitting on the floor like they had turned to stone, and Otis was standing in the middle of them. He was playing a guitar, and he had on a skinny, pointy-toed cowboy boots, and he was tapping them while he was playing the music. His eyes were closed, and he was smiling. When Dixie got a dreamy kind of look on his face, he smiled really hard at Otis, and then he sneezed, and then his whiskers went all fuzzy, and then he sighed and kind of dropped to the floor with all the other animals. Just then, Gertrude caught sight of Winn-Dixie. Dog! she croaked and flew over and landed on his head. Otis looked up at me. He stopped playing his guitar, and the spell was broken. The rabbit started hopping, and the birds started flying, and the lizards started leaping, and the snakes started slithering, and Winn-Dixie started barking and chasing everything that was moving, and Otis shouted, Help me! For what seemed like a long time, me and Otis ran around trying to catch mice and gerbils and hamsters and snakes and lizards. We kept on bumping into each other and tripping over the animals, and Gertrude kept screaming, Dog! Dog! Every time I caught something, I put it back in the first cage I saw. I didn't care if it was the right cage or not. I just put it in and slammed the door. And the whole time I was chasing things, I was thinking that Otis must be some kind of snake charmer, the way he could play his guitar and make all the animals turn to stone. And then I thought, this is silly. I shouted over Winn-Dixie barking and Gertrude yelling. I said, play some more music, Otis. He looked at, for me, he looked at me for a minute, and then he started playing his guitar. And in just a few seconds, everything was quiet. When Dixie was lying on the floor, blinking his eyes and smiling to himself and sneezing every now and then, and the mice and the gerbils and the rabbits and the lizards and the snakes that we hadn't caught yet got quiet and still, and I picked them up one by one and put them back in their cages. When I was all done, Otis stopped playing. He looked down at his boots. I was just playing them some music. It makes them happy. Yes, sir, I said. Did they escape from their cages? No, Otis said. I take them out. I feel sorry for them being locked up all the time. I know what it's like being locked up. You do, I said. I have been in jail, Otis said. He looked at me real quick and then looked back down at his boots. You have, I said. Never mind, said Otis. Aren't you here to sweep the floor? Yes, sir, I told him. He walked over to the counter and started digging through a pile of things and finally came up with a broom. Here, he said, you should start sweeping. Only he must have gotten confused. He was holding out his guitar to me instead of the broom. With your guitar? I asked. He blushed and handed me the broom, and I started to work. I am a good sweeper. I swept the whole store and then dusted some of the shelves. The whole time I worked, Winn-Dixie followed me, and Gertrude followed him, flying behind him and sitting on his head and his back and croaking real quiet to herself. Dog! Dog! Then I was done. Otis thanked me and I left Gertrude's pets thinking about how the preacher probably wouldn't like it very much that I was working for a criminal. Sweetie Pie Thomas was waiting for me right out front. I seen that, she said. 
She stood there and sucked on her knuckle and stared at me. Seen what, I said. I've seen all them animals out of their cages and keeping real still. Is that man magic, she asked. Kind of, I told her. She hugged Winn-Dixie around the neck. Just like this grocery store dog, right? Right, I said. I started walking and Sweetie Pie took her knuckle out of her mouth and put it, her hand in mine. Are you coming to my birthday party, she asked. I surely am, I told her. The theme is pink, she said. I know it, I told her. I gotta go, she said all of a sudden. I gotta go home and tell my mama what, about what I'd seen. I live right down there in that yellow house. That's my mama on the porch. You see her? She's waving at you. I waved at the woman on the porch and she waved back and I watched Sweetie Pie run off to tell her mama about Otis being a magic man. It made me think about my mama and how I wanted to tell her the story about Otis charming all the animals. I was collecting stories for her. I would also tell her about Miss Franny and the bear and about meeting Gloria Dump and believing for just a minute that she was a witch. I had a feeling that these were the kind of stories my mama would like, the kind that would make her laugh out loud the way the preacher said she liked to laugh.